folks, here it is. It's the Mike White Was Rob podcast. I am so terrible at introducing my own podcast. We're having a great time because this episode, uh, we have the host of the Brazilian Dragon podcast, the co-host on the Whatcha Doing podcast, all around, uh, as he self-described, Twitch nuisance. It is Felipe, Felipe the Brazilian Dragon. How are you? I'm good, my queen. How are you doing today? I'm great. I just uh, I ate some lunch and I'm I'm raring to go. You know, we love to see a four thirty lunch. <laughs> I am not going to reveal what time I got out of bed this morning. Oh, me every day. It's it today? <laughs> no. Actually, I, no. Actually, no. Today, I I don't want to reveal. I'll tell you off here what time yeah. because it was like the opposite. I got up way too early. <laughs> Um, I, I got your Snapchat where you're like, I'm up at one in the morning. And I was like, oh, no. Expose oh, me, Miss Calhoun. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, those no, are like I could the not... cursed nights of sleep where you're like, oh, yeah. no, I've slept four hours and I need to do things. But listen, this is my first of three podcasts today. And my last one starts recording at 930. So I will sleep soundly tonight and hopefully have a nice sleep schedule until WandaVision starts at 3 a.m. on Friday. And I'll be up because I know myself and will accidentally open Twitter um yeah wake up we, on i Friday. think publicly we just need to be on the side of like stop post stop posting wandavision spoilers on twitter uh because i'm not gonna watch that shit at 3 a.m and i think it's very rude and honestly i'll i'll say it right here you know fully enjoy me in this. are you adding me we, no no we have to boycott wandavision spoilers i'm boy if you post a wandavision spoiler uh especially for these last what two episodes three i'm unfollowing you on twitter Hands down, Do it. I'm done. Yes. I, you could be a, one of my very close friends. I'm I'm gone because I'm fucking tired of it. No, I literally watch at like 8 p.m. the next like the day, the same day it gets posted, and yet I get spoiled. So I have no self control, um, and I am like spoiler phobic in general. So I will stay up and watch at 3 a.m. and then sleep badly, and then stay up for Puya's Twitch stream because I'm a mess like that. And then sometimes I'll be like, I'm going to bed. Like when he starts Marvels, and I love the Marvels, but I like the AME more. That's just my mm-hmm. personal preference. So, Felipe, yes, let's get this back on the rails. You're here to tell me your hot survivor take. They've already seen it in the title, so it's not like a crazy spoiler. But like, let's just get into it. What is the hot take you brought to me on this day? So my hot take is that Abby Maria is a good, potentially great survivor player and people underrate her as a strategist and a social gamer another humdinger folks it really is it's it's something that i when presented to me was like huh i will have to think about this one a lot let's start off let's begin uh i get this feels sometimes like i'm like a teacher in a like a class it's like public speaking and i'm like okay so you can begin your presentation now so felipe First things first, I think anybody who hears this take is going to say, Abby Maria, that abrasive bitch. <laughs> and, and what do you have to say in counter to that? I mean, can I just put this out there? Because obviously my podcast title is an homage to something she claimed. And I just kind of stole her identity. I am mm-hmm. a first generation American. My parents immigrated from Brazil. So I immediately identified that. And basically she's... The only reality star in America that is Brazilian and I can stand because Mateus from the Glee Project was kind of annoying. And then um, Camilla from the challenge got super canceled. Um, I was a stand at one point, but then no more, no more. Um, 
But so I'm obviously biased, but I'll try to keep this as objective as I can. And sure, like the, that's for the audience to decide how objective I get. But um, I actually prepared a few, like five bullet points that we'll get into throughout the course of this podcast. So what was the question again, Naomi? <laughs> the question is, people's first instincts, I think, when they hear this take or see this take are going to be, no, Abby Maria is obnoxious, she's rude, and she is unfiltered um, animosity. Why should I believe you? And and I do actually kind of believe you upon watching something back. But, you know, the question is kind of why is somebody who is notoriously uh, abrasive and her catchphrase is fuck with me, you're dead. How can you say that she has such a great social game? But I believe you can do it. Obviously, we'll get into it more specifically. But on a granular aspect, uh, not a granular. What's the opposite of gran- granular? Um, a grand? Like a broad. The a grand b- grand grand scheme of things let's just look at the basic her her stats um she got fifth in philippines seventh in cambodia she won an immunity she had an idol which she played correctly she has a total of 71 days played out of 78 potentially total i can't math um i'm a con major um she's also a woman of color and english is her second language so and with all that combined, I feel like that's an impressive feat upon itself. Um, and I also want to shout out Ty, who has a similar track record, third and fourth in Karang and Game Changers. English is a second language as well. And I feel like that's really hard in a social game. Just like speaking to my grandparents, I sometimes struggle in Portuguese. And I feel like for her to be isolated with no love from her family and no like communication there and like obviously she speaks fluent english we've seen that um but i just wanted to highlight that at the start because that is something that can be a hindrance to her at times but i also think that um brazilians have like this charm about them like they're very social butterflies and even though like there's like a lot of cultural things that i think she deals with in terms of the game and that i have recognized in brazilians as well um I think that's something important to note as we continue to do this because she, I don't want to say it's a handicap because I think culture is beautiful and that they cast someone with this rich tapestry in her background is amazing. But like she definitely came with like a skill set that was lower than say like the other people on her cast who grew up in America and can speak fluent English and know like more secondhand like physical what's the word i'm looking for like they can read like american language and like know the dynamic more definitely and i so when abby talks about um because she talks about it in in a in a scene that i watched recently she talks about how there's a culture clash and how sometimes her being sort of a person who doesn't relate specifically to u.s culture i would say also in a season full of like midwesterners and like Mm-hmm. kind of like really hokey polite people I mean you have Lisa Denise and Scoopin like three people you know three weirdly two really religious I you know Denise probably like you know very yeah. midwest energy and Jeff Kent as well also do you think it actually does have any merit when she says that it's hard for her to connect with people because of her sort of cultural differences I think obviously Survivor brings people from different backgrounds, so that's an obstacle for everyone. But I think with her, it's an added barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. Like she 
might have to be translating something in her head to like understand and there might be like a mistranslation in her mind from what someone says. And then also just generally, I feel like the Brazilian dynamic, I definitely see it with her. Like their Brazilians are more loud and outspoken and kind of like, how do I say annoying without saying <laughs> I'm like, we definitely have that energy of like kind of in your face, extroverted, like loud, bombastic. Um, and I think that that's not just Brazilians. I think that's like, latinx people as a whole because obviously mm-hmm. you think of like sandra i can get loud too what the fuck um can i curse on this podcast yeah, yes oh my god it wouldn't be a podcast from me if you couldn't curse on it okay well the queen stays queen and she she's loud as well um and that's but i think with abby um she kind of excelled even when her tribe wasn't her best fit like you said they were that was redacted and Lisa um, who were like very different than her. But I think she still found her people. Like I feel like artists and Pete connected with her because they a felt like home, but also they kind of understood her more than people who might not give her as much of a chance. And there could be like a little bit of sexism or like not racism because she's a white Latina, but um like what's the word not xenophobia because i don't but like people were definitely i feel like redacted especially has that kind of energy where he could be like problematic with that yeah i mean i do think it's a little bit xenophobic right you're you're sort of afraid of somebody who comes from a different culture than you and i think a lot of what we see in this season is like abby being really emotional and being really frustrated by the people she's working with Um, because you mentioned this to me before we started, but like a lot of what Abby says is correct. If you watch Philippines back, she's speaking the truth. She's speaking the truth that there's this four person alliance and you're not in it. So what the fuck are you doing? Not fighting against it. And it, you know, she just happens to be on a season where like the four person alliance is so powerful and everybody else is so dumb that it never works. I mean, also like I was telling you in the pre-show, um, but like she has the Brazilian third eye, a hundred percent. Like she was always right in hindsight. People <laughs> don't give her credit. Like she was anti Scoopin, anti Joe Anglum, and anti Denise. Three people who have gotten either fully canceled or, in Denise's case, like mildly canceled. But she she like had that shit on lock. Like she knew what was up. And Jeff Varner, she votes. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I forgot about him. Um, well, yeah, and so so let's talk specifically about the Philippines social game for a of second. Of course, yeah. Because that's, I think, a really good example of what we're, we're citing. There's a great video on YouTube that's like Abby versus Denise, which I think if you're just like looking for a summary of like both why people interpret Abby Maria as somebody who is too emotional and then also a good like citation of actually why she's being very articulate and being very... Um, She's operating in a way that is completely correct. Like, she's playing Survivor the way other people should be playing Survivor. It's just that because I think the audience sees her as very emotional and very Latina, like, they don't give her the credit that she actually deserves. And let's also remember she, like, got fifth and seventh. She she never got, like, her perspective as, like, highlighted as it should be, especially because she fell into, like, the villain archetype both seasons instead of, like... Right. Um like the strategic fallen angel like she's she's not the david wright um who would get that edit um and also like there's like probably um 
you know, bias involved with that. Like she's a woman of colors and if she doesn't win, she can be painted as like kind of a different archetype. Um, but in terms of Philippines herself, so do you know that she tore her ACL on the first day? So I was just looking at the Philippines like wiki and I just read that and I was going to say, holy fucking shit. Yeah. Like, so holy shit, she tore her ACL. And like, that was a part of Jeff Kent's story. He like tore his meniscus or something um, getting on the raft, but like no one ever talks about Abby doing that. And she sat out every challenge. And I think that was noted by Jeff on the season, Jeff Probst. Um, right. But she, she like was in pain the whole season. And I can't imagine like, doing that and then she still won and like won a race immunity um at the final seven with the knot tying and like that whole ladder structure and she like jumped down and like probably hurt it more so that's just like something i wanted to point out because like she was also dealing with like that kind of pain as well on the season right and that's that's something that i think is it's hard for survivor to do for everybody because like there are so many injuries but it is a shame that like we're, I, you know, you're going to hear, I bet, like, if Abby Maria had the story, I feel like it's almost like a Karishma thing where, like, Karishma fucking slices her hand open and nobody gives a shit. And it it feels like that story would be much in the same way of, like, this woman is suffering and nobody kind of hears her and nobody feels empathy for her. Um, and then it just really sort of spirals out of control into, like, uh, an, an othering, a real sort of... Uh, exclusion of somebody in a social circle yeah and i i think it's very like important to note that even with that she powered through um she immediately forms like a four-person alliance on tandang with uh redacted uh rc and pete and then as the the game goes on so she's in the majority immediately they win the challenges as the game goes on, she kind of finds herself in a three-person. And on a tribe of six, they're solid. Because I don't think Lisa is going to vote with RC and Scoopin if they go to a tribal. Because then, what's the point of going to Rocks in the pre-merge? Like, if right. you can just survive a tr- and then just win the challenges out. Um, and then with Malcolm, when he comes over, I think Malcolm and Pete had their little thing going on. Um, and so I think she was set for the merge. And I feel like we never talk about Tandang enough if they had gone to pre-merge, but she was golden. She finds an idol. Obviously, Pete, like, fractures her relationship with RC, but I also think, based on the Ponderosa videos that season, that, and and things I've heard um, in the RHEB community, I've never met RC. I don't think she's been to many events, but from what I've heard, like, she's not as friendly as, say, Abby, who I hear, I've had the pleasure of meeting Abby twice in Los Angeles at different RHEB events when I was briefly there. She is the friendliest person and even off island i feel like everyone says that abby in person when she's fed and well rested she's the friendliest person that you can meet and she's always a good time yeah i mean i i like abby's i think a good indicator for a lot of people is how they behave on rob has a podcast um yeah and i think somebody like abby has always been really sort of generous with her time and generous with rob and and talks to people and goes to these events and obviously part of it is, like, I'm sure everybody who's on Survivor wants their ego stroked one way or another. But, like, of course. if if you're going to take the time to be nice to fans, like, that's still taking the time. Like, that's still more than some people do. And I think it's kind of cool. And I agree. I think, like, she seems like a very pleasant person outside of a social situation. And I also think a lot of, if you watch, like, the season, a lot of what we see Abby being upset by 
is how people treat her. It's not like she's wildly upset by, um, I don't know, like she's not wildly upset by just like somebody's existence, but like she can pick up when people are bullying her and she can pick up when people are picking on her and she rightfully calls it out. So she's, she's always upset by something that people say about her in particular. And it's never sort of like an irrational behavior, even though it seems very extreme. Like these like if some if you're on an island with somebody and they're talking shit about you, there's a great scene where she just like freaks out at uh Shereen and, and PG? Oh, okay, yeah. No, no, I was gonna say that when she freaks out at, at Penner, Denise, uh Scoopin and, and Lisa because they're talking smack about her and she's like, Well then I won't cook and they're all like, Oh my god, like you don't wanna cook, like you're gonna starve and she's like, I don't care, you can cook, you're gonna vote me out anyways and like that's a perfectly reasonable response to being talked smack about on an island where you're cranky and you've been feeding these people for 30-something days. Yeah, and I like to say that she's self-aware, but she doesn't have self-control. And I kind of right. relate to that a little bit as well. Like, I, I know I'm aware of what my perception is, but, like, I still like to talk a lot and be in my annoying and authentic self. Um, <laughs> and I feel like she's kind of similar. Really. Like, she, she just, like, goes... Uh, she just kind of like pops off on people but she knows that like she's kind of being a bad survivor player in those moments um but at the same time she kind of recovers and she still has her core that will always like love her for her like i think artists who got really shafted in the edit um i think he was a much more interesting character every time he got a confessional i was rolling because he's so funny (laughs) and so underrated as a character and i would love to hear like maybe a talking with t-bird with him uh teresa i know you're listening out there um to this <laughs> little old podcast but <laughs> i'm yeah but um i think i think he's very underrated and i think a lot of his story was basically he would like talk a ton of shit about mike scoopin in the confessionals but then because he was a runner-up and artist was like ninth place it didn't really go anywhere but like abby maria justice for artists um because yeah i'm also artist i'm looking at his profile he applied for survivor 12 times and he like survived stage four cancer i believe um yeah before playing philippines that is wild Ugh. i mean i shout out to very quickly the survivor diversity campaign because i like i've been following them for a while and like they are really amazing at highlighting um these stories of survivor players that uh especially people of color who've been on Survivor who we never, ever get anything from. Like, talking about, like, Bob Dog from Panama and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I saw that. an Ibrahim post the other day from Palau. Yeah, and and there's so much that, like, we, we just miss because Survivor uh, doesn't tell the stories of people of color, particularly at the, like, Black and African American contestants that they cast. Um you often see like that the people in charge, the higher up you go, the more above the line you go, the whiter it is. And that's what also needs to change. It's not just the people we see on the TV, but the people who tell their stories. Yeah. And obviously like Survivor <laughs> and Big Brother are all important, but I feel like the show that I feel like I'm constantly criticizing the most is the Bachelor franchise. And they really need um, to shake things up and have more BIPOC involved in all aspects of executive production um and not to get into that but well yeah and it i i actually don't i know vaguely i saw what chris harrison said what a dumbass but 
the yeah i think like how to describe it it's such like a an obvious thing that i think actually the the longer the deeper that we as sort of fans of reality tv get into the behind the scenes process i think the more that people think it's all about casting or it's all about this one thing that they figured out when in reality it really is about uh, all of the elements of filmmaking coming together to create something yeah if you're not uh if you're not actively you know asking for change in all those departments then it's not going to happen the way that we want it to but that's why i think the survivor diversity campaign is so great is because it's really highlighting like the powerful stories that we were excluded from from the edit a hundred percent and like what you just said i kind of wanted to just touch on um i am a big fan of mike waitress rob so i was just having a conversation in my head as i was listening to you and cam the other day and that was what you just kind of like reminded me of something that i thought like as much as i would love sequester juries i think that the production reasons for having that is kind of unrealistic but that's like another thing that we learned that I feel like you and I can understand as like film and TV people and stuff like that. But, um, and I feel like that's just stuff that we kind of like are aware of in like all aspects of this filmmaking process and stuff like that. Like, um, like what you said about the higher above the line you go, the wider it gets and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I think we've gotten so deep into understanding the edit and understanding like what stories are being told. I think people, now the chance to recognize that they're, the stories are being told because people are making active choices. Yes. Anyways, this is um, this what is were we talking about moment, with Abby Maria. <laughs> um, oh, um, I, so just we kind of touched like there's not a ton to talk about in the pre-merge, um, but I do want to highlight that um, I do think Abby Maria makes mistakes. I don't think any one Survivor player mm-hmm. is a hundred percent bats a hundred every single round of play. Um, I think pulling out the idol while it ends up working out for her at the final time was kind of a wild decision unless people knew about it and we just didn't see that. But I think that was just, um, and maybe that might've been like a translation thing too, but maybe that's just me giving the benefit of the doubt. Uh, But that was just a wild moment where great TV, but uh, maybe not necessary. But then at the end, she like kind of recalibrates and at the final eight, she plays the idol correctly. I think it's three, three, two vote. And Pete goes home because she plays the idol. Um, Mm -hmm. And then she wins. She plays the auction fantastically. She holds out um, for the advantage and then wins the immunity. And again, with a torn ACL on a running and climbing challenge uh, with knots. Yeah. Um, And she scrambles. She tries to make something work with Penner and Carter. But because Penner's blunder, I I think they lost Lisa. Um, Also, love Penner. Just want to say that. Uh, Fantastic (laughs) character. We stand. Um, but then she, like, is kept around at the final six over Carter, which I think was a mistake on their part. But also Carter was winning challenges and maybe he could have won the jury. But at the final five, I do think it's a blunder from everybody who votes her out because she's perceived as a GOAT. And even then we can get into the argument of could she have won the jury vote in that season? Because I think she could, and it's hard to see that in Cambodia, but I will make the case as well. But in Philippines, mm-hmm. I think she 100% had a winning shot. But Malcolm, I think, needed her because obviously there's like a ton of, there's a chain reaction to events that leads to Denise flipping on Malcolm. But I think if she, if he had Abby Maria there, um, I think he gets to the final three in 
all situations. Uh, I assume they vote out Lisa or Scoopin at that point, because um, Malcolm was immune, and he had the idol, so I don't think Denise was going home at that stage. Uh, but I'm trying to think. Yeah, so um, I think Malcolm needed her, and then he would have swept the jury. I think he doesn't. she doesn't win against Malcolm. Uh, but I think Denise needed her in case Malcolm won immunity, and then he flips on Denise at that end. Um, and mm-hmm. I think Denise left out that Malcolm didn't win immunity because obviously she votes him out there and wins the game. And then I think Scoopin and Lisa needed her because they were never winning against Denise and Malcolm. Their best shot was against Abby. And then I think Lisa wins if Abby doesn't. So um, I think Lisa's right. underrated as well. That's not my hot take for today, but I think she played a better game than people give her credit for as well. There's a lot of good stuff in there. And I do think that this is a, a moment where like, Everybody but Denise, except for maybe Scoopin, can kind of look at losing Abby at Final Five and say, I should have kept her if I wanted to win the game. Um, Yeah. And that is actually a pretty good spot to be in. But then at the same time, Abby's in a pretty good spot where she has a ton of allies on the jury and likely obtains a lot of their votes if, like, she's there. I'm a big story person. So like if I was on a jury, that would kind of impress me. Like I love um, the story of uh, Jacqueline, for example, on San Juan Sur, where she kind of is on top for a while, but then the rug gets pulled out from under her. And obviously I think Natalie deserved to win and played a phenomenal game and I would have voted for Natalie. But I love her story that somehow she climbs her way back to the fin- through the finish line and gets into that final three. Um, and that's very impressive to me, like the way that someone's arc. So like if, I love if someone can play from the top and from the bottom. And Abby has that perfectly. Like at the merge, she's at the top. And then Artis gets taken from her. Pete gets taken from her. She tries to work with Penner and Carter. They go home and she's kind of left alone. And she's still scrapping at that final vote that she's at. She's like, you should keep me. Um, and then if she makes it, I think she gets the respect because she played from the top. She played from the bottle and even bottom. And even if she's not the best player of the season to the jury... I think they have respect, and she also has two locked votes in Artis and Pete, so then she only needs two more with an eight-person jury, um, unless it's, like... Yeah. Yeah. Not not only that, but, like, when you look at it, I mean, and credit to Abby, Abby votes for Denise. Like, yeah. Abby votes, gives Denise, even though they have had so much conflict over the season, um, they... They have all this conflict over the season, but in reality, they uh, Abby is is self aware enough to say, you know, Denise played a really good game, and I was telling her that, you know, Abby isn't bitter, and that's something no. that I think people uh, actually perceive of Abby, and maybe she was sort of mean to um, to Scoopin or mean to Lisa, but you know, Scoopin deserved the coconut at his head like ten <laughs> times out of ten. Um, yeah. Abby Abby is self-aware enough to say, I was calling Denise the biggest threat. I was saying that she was going to play this game to win, and she got to the end, so I'm going to vote for her. And, like, I think there's a part of Abby that possesses the ability to isolate the game from um, how she's been feeling about it, even though most of the time Abby is very emotional in how she reacts to things. At the very least, she still understands the game she's playing. She's not stupid. She understands that, like, people are voting for her because they want her out. I just think that at some point it reaches a point where she's like, well, you're just voting for me because you hate me. And like, that's not good strategy. No, a hundred percent. And I think, um, 
I had a point that just escaped me. Oh yeah, um, Abby is really good at separating game from like real life. She, at Ponderosa in the Philippines, she tries to extend a novel branch to RC, and there's like it's so awkward because RC is being a brat, and like I get RC's bitter that she thinks Abby ruined her game, but I really don't think so at all. I think it's a combination of Penner's idol and RC's own bad play that like put her on the outs at the merge. Like at the merge, she should have like jumped ship immediately. I don't know what she was thinking. Yeah, and also like the scoop, like the scoop and sort of connection that she had. Like, I, I think on a season where there's six people, like, the, and it's what Denise and Malcolm are so good at, right? Is like, if you're in a game with six six people in your tribe, don't buddy up to one person and then like never sort of make friends with other people. Like, you're gonna obviously look like you're just a pair. Exactly, and, and um, not but. Like you. Okay, yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, but yeah, so she extends the olive plant. Uh, the words are hard. The olive branch. <laughs> um, and then, not to jump ahead too far into Cambodia, but yeah. she and PG are friends. I saw recently she and Shireen were sharing love to each other on Twitter. They obviously had beef in the game. I think she's cool with everyone in the cast. Maybe not one person that later went on another season and got himself canceled. But I think she's like friends with everyone obviously her and kelly wentworth are close kelly wentworth voted for her to win um a show uh and then i just think that she's really good at separating game from uh personal relationships and i think like i said earlier she's super friendly in these events she and pg were like very kicking basically at the la event that i saw them at um and apparently like didn't they share an airbnb with rob and nicole when they went to one event the like the island of the idols i don't know okay anyways we're talking about survivor cambodia but yeah i okay so i agree i do think that it's very clear that abby is actually a very nice person outside of the game and is very uh i don't want to say well connected what's the word she she is very kind yeah i think she has like in portuguese it's called gentileza which is kind of like um friendliness and like being a people person and like just like general like empathy for like Mm -hmm. humanity i think is how i describe it and if there's any brazilians in the listenership and want to roast me okay whatever i'm not i've never lived in brazil for more than a month so i'm sorry that's a lie three months i lived in there for three months one time so it's the charisma right it's the, the ability to actually get people to like you um and yeah, she still has it. Everybody who's, I said it the other day, like everybody who's on these shows at least has a little bit of charisma. Um, yeah. So what do you think is Abu Maria's best move? What, let's let's kind of jump to the strategic game of it all. I what think, is Abu Maria's best move over all of her appearances? I think the one-two punch of the Shireen and PG votes where obviously like a lot of, stuff happens she's almost the first boot of cambodia and i do think there's like part of it that she's like an annoying woman of color and obviously they statistically don't do great in their pre-merge but mm-hmm. she's a hundred percent not a target she calls shireen out paints the target on shireen and spencer and obviously i think she has the assist from terry and um mm-hmm. the canceled man from australia i think he's heavily involved there too but I and also Kelly Wentworth. I don't want to undermine her uh, help there. But she kind of flips it on Spencer and Shireen at that vote, and then they swap, 
And I want to give major shout out to Tasha and Andrew Savage, aka as you once called it on pilot season, uh, our mutual friend's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> or was that was that you or MJC who said that? Someone someone said that. But, uh, yeah, I uh, think MJC said it, but I think I was talking about it. very yeah. funny phrase either way. Yeah, but I think they played that round phenomenally as well, and I don't want to take anything away from them. But Abby is the first to like jump ship and realizes like when with the cracks um, that are forming and with the PG and Abby conflict, she jumps right. ship, and then at that point she kind of forces Varner's hand because he's not going to like go to rocks for PG and woo. Um, I think those two rounds. And then I think Abby makes it, it, unless they like go to every tribal council. And then at the end, it's like Savage and Tasha together and they have to vote out Abby. Then she's kind of screwed. But I think, I think they like go maybe that might be debatable. Like I think Tasha would want to keep woo and maybe Andrew would want to keep, that's debatable. So maybe she's lucky that they never went to another tribal, but um, I think she like, plays those rounds and gets herself further and then just needs to hope for the next swap, which she gets to. And then she, I think she's a big reason why Wu goes home at that 14th place vote. Yeah. I also think that for, for Abby, um, what she's really good at uh, in, especially in Cambodia is she's actually really good at getting the person voted out who is operating against her interests. Yeah, I mean, have you seen the, the, if you fuck with me, you're dead? Yeah, uh, I was just watching that too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Literally, so for people who haven't seen it, it's, she says, if you fuck with me, you're dead at one point in Philippines. And then she brings it back for Cambodia. And she says in her preseason interview and in one confessional. And then the person who edited this video kind of just said, if you fuck with me, you're dead. And then cuts, puts in a clip of every single person who gets eliminated, like Vetus. He says something and then, uh, she, it cuts back to if you fuck with me or dad and then it goes to every single person even Monica who's never on a tribe with Abby she says something in the preseason interviews and then they cut to Abby yeah. and it goes to every single person until Abby's torch is snuffed well and and that's another like sort of great example of that Abby is actually very good at getting people to be voted out who are operating against her interests and are people yeah. who will not work with her the way that she needs them to um, and I think that's really impressive considering how many players we value for their ability to make sure that like things go their way. You know, she doesn't have it as as great on Philippines, but she also does things like, you know, she fakes having an idol. She, you know, she like wins immunity and is very smart to sort of hold out, like you mentioned, for the advantage. Like she operates in a way that is baseline smarter than some survival players that are like completely beloved like and she always plays for herself too like she never she like she might make a mistake but she makes her own mistakes she never like does something because someone else told her to like i I, like i feel like i've seen a lot of sugar and abby comparisons but i feel like sugar played for bob at the end and for i was always playing for someone else to like advance over her own game but abby was always self-interested and I think she would have cut Pete if she had to. I think she would have cut artists. Um, I think right. she has that cutthroat nature. She does. And I think there's a great moment in the um, in the Survivor Philippines season where, like, she's like, Denise is here to make friends. I'm here for a million dollars. Like, she very much recognizes. It. She's like, I'm here to play. I'm not here to fuck around. Like, I'm ready to make shit happen. Yeah. Also, Abby, like almost goes home that first tribal council in Cambodia and yeah. like that's that's fully off the back of like 
you know, people disliking her. And yeah, she also and... had the bracelet thing, which wasn't her best moment. But <laughs> at the same time, like, you have so much minimal, you have so minimal items that this little resemblance of home could, like, mean a lot for you. Like, if someone took my my bracelet, I might flip out on them, too. <laughs> I'm just thinking about what would have to, like, occur for me to flip out on also, somebody about that. At that point, I think she might have also been playing up for the cameras. Like, it's the first few episodes, she's like, I think all of them were right. probably, like, hoping to, like, be popular television characters again. Like, they got voted back on. They don't want to disappoint the fans. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, there was, so I, I told you before I wanted to, like, rewatch Cambodia. Um, yeah. I didn't end up doing that. My bad. <laughs> Um, it's okay it's just been a hectic week um but there were three votes that i really wanted to watch that i didn't get to and that was the cast vote the savage vote and the wigglesworth vote um mm. i didn't get to watching those and i feel like those are really interesting um and if i had a time today i was gonna rewatch those three votes in particular um uh, because abby maria sinks into the background at the merge even though it was probably her idea to vote out woo over savage but Cass and Sierra get all the heat for it. Um, and then I think Abby wanted Savage out. Um, and I, I assume other people wanted too, but I feel like Abby pushed for Savage harder than Abby and Sierra and then like Wentworth went with whatever they wanted, I guess, because mm-hmm. she might have had a different idea. Who knows? Uh, the Wigglesworth vote is very blurry to me. I could not tell you. I know it was Stephen. I know who voted for Wigglesworth, but I couldn't. I don't remember the pieces if it was Stephen who went to them. And that's why I kind of wanted to watch that vote. But. I didn't mm-hmm. get to that. Um, but on my memory, like, Abby is, like, supposed to, should have been a target. Especially, like, in Modern Survivor where the the final 13 merge vote is often, like, this innocuous, like, very simple vote against a woman like Haley Ford, Michelle from Millennial vs. Gen X. Mm. Chris Noble is kind of an outlier, but I feel like that's a com- Elizabeth from David vs. Goliath. I feel like those are easy votes but it's not abby it's like a more prominent player and a bigger player at that moment at least in the perception of the other players yeah and the um so i just looked at the wiki like and now it's all kind of coming back to me is that like um is that jeremy spencer and fishback work with abby and and the witch's coven to get kelly wiggles without to you know um hurt joe anglum and I think that that's a good sort of example of like she's very flexible. She she will work with people knowing that it's in her best interest and knowing that that move is something that is positive for her. And also that people feel that they can, you know, e- even though maybe they sort of regret like or they're kind of, you know, the idea of like, oh, I have to work with Abby right now. They're still willing to work with Abby, even though maybe she's a bit of a loose cab- cannon because they know that she'll do what's in her best interest. And I think yeah. that people maybe think that Abby is actually a loose cannon. But I would say that somebody like Tony is actually way more um, oh. all over the place than than Abby's voting pattern. I agree. And I'm going to stand by that. Don't at me. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it's a very popular take that Tony's the best survivor player ever. And I will at every single one of the people who say that because I... Not disagree. on this podcast. <laughs> no. Um, I, like, I think Tony's worst moves are far worse than anything Abby Marie ever does. Like, obviously Game Changers has its own issues with him, but even in Winners at War, like, what the hell is he doing We're going crazy when Sandra and Denise 
that tribe, like, that vote, like, didn't Tony go cuckoo bananas all over the place and, like, almost get himself voted out by the tribe itself before everything kind of recalibrated where Sandra wanted to... That's why Sandra was giving Denise the idol so she could use it against Tony, right? Right. Yeah, I think I think there are a lot of moments in Winners at War where, like, you know, Tony's almost screwed, but, like, let's say that somebody, like... um I mean, it's not his fault necessarily. I mean, but Tony like, won four Tony... immunities, so yeah. he also was like protected at so many points in the game where people couldn't make a move if they wanted to. Sorry, I interrupted <laughs> you. No, it's okay. I didn't know what I, I, I emotionally checked out from Winners at War. So honestly, like, I don't really remember that much. I'm like trying to talk about it, and then I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. People are like, oh, the best Survivor season ever, and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Sophie went home. This is not the best Survivor season ever. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Kim Spradley went home. Jeremy was screwed over by one of the dumbest movies, in my opinion, when Nick voted him out over Ben. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You right, ben, ben made it far. Um, you know, like, Denise, like, basically quit also. Blech. Like, no thank you. I don't like this season. And I will not respond to it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but basically, I also think that, like, and we don't have to get into the god idol of it yeah. all, but Tony um, in Kagiyan also was able, like, he was never going home unless they hit him with one, like, he, he had, like, a bulletproof vest. He was never going home. And so he was, like, able to play it. And, like, I think Tony is, like, a top five, not top ten, maybe top five winner. But I don't think he's, like, in the top ten greatest players of all time. I think, in my opinion, Suri is because she also has so many societal advantages disadvantages to overcome like she's a black woman she's older she's not good at challenges and she made it to the top six three times and got screwed the fire making in panama wasn't really screwed but like she got kind of blindsided by the the final three twists and then just because she didn't have an advantage she went home even though she played a perfect game up to that point that is some bullshit and i don't stand by it sari won um game changers and uh also tony had his best friend and they're both white so they were able to get away with like being together whereas like jeremy and natalie were broken up in the first vote so that's my little rant well also because you're gonna hate the episode that's preceding this uh which hasn't come out yet which is uh robbie freeman pitches that suri is bad at survivor and Who? Uh, can never I, win uh, robert survivor. freeman what the hell it's honestly he has we have some good points but actually a lot of it is is not that it's her fault. It's things like the fire making twist and and shit like that were like, you know, the the heavier advantage get in Survivor becomes, the less likely Suri can ever win. Yeah, I don't think Suri can ever win Survivor at this point, and yeah, that breaks my heart. But in my head, she won both Micronesia and Game Changers, so it's okay. And I think she like can make whatever money she wants elsewhere. She doesn't need. <laughs> yeah, she'll money. be fine. This is all to say that I do think that Abby actually has a much, like, we see Keith Nail make, like, the final five, final four, like, and Keith Nail has a terrible fucking Survivor game, but we love Keith Nail. Agreed. And, like, Abby Maria is a way better player than Keith Nail. She's much more controlled. She's much more uh, cognizant of what she's doing and how she's, even though she goes off, like, even though she pops off and she runs her mouth and you know she throws a coconut in someone's head those people well never deserved. liked her anyways well, well deserved, deserved coconut and then he never liked her anyways like she's not somebody who's gonna suck up to you but that's also what makes her a great ally right is you know that she's not going to 
you know when she likes you and when she doesn't like you. So actually, like, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, you know, sure, maybe could you potentially get involved in the alliance more? Maybe. But, like, what are the chances that Scoopin or Malcolm are going to let her into the alliance of four and replace, like, Denise or Lisa? Like, very, very slim. So slim. Um, There was one vote that I did not highlight in Cambodia that kind of highlights her self-interest. She hated Joe. Like, I feel like she and Stephen had, like, a comic relief sort of edit, but I think they were like fine. But uh, when Steven goes home and he does the double, vote, I think he got a little too cute too, but the vote count was four, three, two. And Abby would have gone home if Steven put, or it would have at least tied And who knows what happens next, but it would have at least tied against Steven and Abby. And Abby was smart enough, even though she didn't like Joe, she was like, let me vote Steven because he's probably a bigger threat. And, um, it's like my neck's on the line and maybe I'm just putting a little bit of my own headcanon into this but I feel like that's part of that. that's something that could be mm-hmm. attributed to her gameplay and also Abby is somebody who um, you know she doesn't win a lot of immunities but like the fact that she won immunity when she needed to hey that's not that's not bad like yeah and she almost won the doghouse challenge in the rain against Joe Right. Uh, I remember she was like second and I remember I was like, oh my God, let's go, Abby. She didn't end up winning, but it's like she still put in some good effort in these challenges. She's not a slouch. Oh my God. Joe Joe literally won four immunity challenges in a row. I hate that yeah. man. But then yeah. Spencer won three right after. <laughs> yeah. I think Abby does Whatever. pole dancing classes now. So like if she ever came back and I don't think that's out I mean, of the question. I think she would like clean up some challenges. Like she's strong. I, I she would really like Abby to be a three times survivor player. I, I do think too. That would be great. I worry that she would go pre-merge because, but I think she like knows what her perception is. Like I said, she's she doesn't have the best self control, but she's very self aware. I think people are still going to underestimate her. Be like, I can, I can, I can be the one to control Abby. I think if you give Abby the love, then she'll like go to bat for you. But as soon as you cross her, she's not going to like give you a chance. Yeah, Abby's also pretty. Abby is actually pretty decently talented at letting people underestimate her and Agreed. kind of proving them wrong. She's mad at them, sure, but she's she's always kind of like willing to let somebody underestimate her and um, turn it around and make it beneficial for herself. I mean, and I, I don't think this is like a great example because it's such a random game and there's like obviously pre-existing connections, but Abby made it to second place in uh, Sequester, right? And she got Yeah, second place, vote. got one vote. Yeah, and I think she there and was that a was universe like the where best she wins. sequester season ever. Like that's one of the few I watched because because that was before it got canceled or I canceled it in my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't have to get into it. And like, I mean, Abby got second damn place, and you know, Abby is at least cognizant enough to know like when she's the go- when she's the goat, yeah. when she is somebody who is sort of getting picked on, and at the same time, she's also somebody who can say. I'm in your best interest. I'm someone you want to take to the end. I'm someone you want to take far. And I think people, I think you're yeah. correct in that people don't give her enough credit. Oh, she was also drunk in the final speeches. And I think that's another instance where like <laughs> the language barrier might've hindered her, um, her performance at whatever it's called, not final tribal council. But um, I think there's a universe where Jatia would have given her the vote there. And I think, I think she was instrumental in getting Kellen through the pre-jury phase. And then maybe like the roles flipped at the end. But I think I think Abby is underrated. And I, I just want to also highlight that um, I don't know if she ever 
takes out a Terry from Cambodia where they had this like really deep bond at a certain point or um, uh, like Pete or artists if she ever flips on them and has that killer instinct. But I think a third time Abby Maria might have that. It'd be really mm-hmm. interesting to see her play again. Um, but if she never plays again, I'm content with that too. Like maybe it's just like the fact that I would hate to see her go home early and be disappointed. And obviously probably a white man would win that season. So um <laughs> with the way we're at in Survivor. It's kind of like why I don't want to see Aika Wong play Big Brother Canada again because I don't want to see her... Like, I want her record to be fourth place, uh, like her last thing that we see yeah, of her. Do you think Aika is an apt comparison? I don't know if it is, I think but now Aika, that you mention it. I think Aika and Abby have similar things. Like, I think they both play, especially Aika's second season, where she talked a lot about how her first season, she kind of, like, went with her head but in her second season uh she played with her gut a lot more not like kellen but she kind of went with her instincts and trusted herself more than what the strategist is trying to say like you know you have to be nice to these people and she kind of flipped i think not to not to go full big brother canada deep dive but ika at the final eight in big brother canada she had no business surviving that vote but she did against <laughs> freaking jackie um and i think abby flipping the votes against like a PG or a Carter in Philippines and surviving those votes are kind of similar to that. Like, why would you vote out Carter? He can't speak like eloquently. Sorry. He can't speak, but he's not, he's not well-spoken. He can't win a final tribal. Um, and I think, I think Ika also shoots from the hip, kind of like Abby. She'll like call people out and then we'll be able to like course correct a bit. Right. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a decent comparison. Obviously like I, part of big brother is that you get to sort of, and I, Ika also has a ton of control towards the finals of that season. And it's really just that Kevin fucking Robert Barton getting, you know, tons of Which, wins down the line. I feel like a lot of fans were saying, you need to study before it was cool. Like, before Kevin did Like, I was like, even watching it. And maybe this is like, oh, if I was there, I would have done the same thing. But I remember watching Big Brother Canada 4. And every season after that, being like, okay, let me just study, like, the date so I can play along in these challenges, especially in Big Brother Canada. So you could probably throw, like, a random Big Brother question about what happened on this day. And I could, like, try to figure it out based on, like, the structure of the season. I don't think it's, like, that, like, complex and game-breaking. Obviously, the challenges need redesign because everyone does it now. But I don't think it was game-breaking at the time because I think any just, like, smart, savvy watcher of the show um, who was, like, involved in the RHAP streets. Maybe not, like someone like a Dimitri's who or a Karen who weren't super super in depth but I think mm-hmm. I think it wasn't like the most game breaking thing and uh I think he played a good game but I also think like his lack of a social game is a hindrance for him and if you need to like comp out I lose a little bit of game respect for you but he seems like a very nice man and I'm happy for him that he won. I was team Dimitri's though at the <laughs> actually after team Ica then team Dimitri's <laughs> Um so is there any other point we haven't talked about yet? Anything we haven't gotten to that you think is a good uh, point to discuss in the the defense of Abby Maria Gomez? Um, I guess the Gomes? last thing in my notes. It Gomes? It's Gomez, I think. Yeah. I, I would assume I it's Gomez. Maybe, Gomes, maybe I'm, I'm like, I don't know that that's words. Maybe I'm on crack and it's, it's Gomes, but I think it's Gomez. Um, the last thing I had in my notes was basically um, that I think she there's a chance she beats Spencer and Tasha. I'm, I don't know the makeup of the jury and how it would fall, but I think she has three votes in Sierra, Kelly, and Cass, um, especially against Spencer and Tasha. Cass was the mayor of Ponderosa. 
Um, I, I I think it's like close. I don't know who wins, um, but I think Spencer and Tasha were goats in that season. I think Kimmy and Keith, Kelly and Jeremy all beat Abby, Spencer, and Tasha. But I think I think in Abby, Spencer, Tasha final three, I think that's interesting, and I'm not going to say that she automatically wins. I think it's a much closer debate than I think Philippines. There's a it's easy to kind of find her votes. Um, mm-hmm. but I, that's just something I wanted to throw out there and I kind of would love to see what the audience thinks. But basically anything that I have to say about Admiral Maria is that she's an absolute queen and I love her. And even if you disagree with me about her gameplay, I think we can all agree that she's a phenomenal character and she has, she's right before it was, it's cool to be right about certain people. I couldn't have said it better myself. And also I would say one of the great survivor villains, like, especially just, in the post 20 season 20 era she's not like delusional like she's not as as you know delusional as philip shepherd she's not as off the rails as brandon hans she's just like a great survivor villain and like not enough credit is given exactly she's and a queen i love her and i think that survivor should maybe think about i know with uh all the diversity initiatives that they have in place maybe like consider casting more people from international backgrounds that like are first gen americans um I think mm. Abby Maria and Ty are both great examples of casting gold that you can find from like a little broader horizons in your casting. Absolutely. I think it's a great um it's it's a great sort of I think I don't want to say pool, but like it's a great section of America that I don't think gets talked about enough. And um I know a couple of people who are, you know, first gen who play in like sequester or they play in live reality games and like they're really fun characters and they're amazing people and they're so smart and um they're such a great sort of section and interesting touchstone of of american society i feel like those stories aren't really told enough i agree and also shout out to queen vera two-time family visit um contestant or i don't know if contestant the word but abby's mom we we loved her and just like (laughs) her little mini arc where in the philippines she didn't really know much english and then she was communicating with Jeff in Cambodia. We are at the end, but we have to talk about one more thing, Felipe. Yes. Uh, what do you think of School of Rock? <laughs> um, I'm going to hide. I've never seen School of Rock. You've never seen School of Rock? Felipe! I'm hiding. First first of all, I okay, think any, I... out of anybody, you need to understand that Mike White is actually very good at movies and TV. Oh my god, I've... I... Do you want to ask me about the one and only Ivan? Have you seen the one and only Ivan? Because I have, I and I cried. Haven't, but I've seen Brad's status. Have you seen Brad's status? I have not. Have you seen the Emoji Movie? No. <laughs> have you seen the Amazing Race fourteen? Yes, I watched okay. both seasons with him in it. Um, I also the one and only Ivan. My boyfriend was talking to me about that recently. It made like, me cry. Also, that. like, talk about an all star cast. He got Shaka Khan. He got Angelina Jolie. Sam Rockwell. Um, all these like big names, uh, Danny DeVito, Brian Cranston, like look at the pull that man has. Oh, voiced by the, um, the little girl is, uh, the girl from the Florida Project. Now that's a movie people should be watching. Yeah. But I do know if you want to talk about School of Rock, obsessed with Miranda Cosgrove, obviously, uh, I am Gen Z after all, uh, or I'm a zillennial technically, but, uh, we love iCarly and we love Megan Parker. Felipe, I can't recommend enough to watch School of Rock, and this is I want for anybody to. who maybe what has is it streaming list- on? Uh, uh, HBO Max. Uh, uh, ma'am, I am 
like we've talked about this. Like I can I can shell out like ten dollars a month max because I am broke. You Girl, think you I'm paying like, sixteen? Carpool. Okay, I'll give you I'll give you my parents HBO Max because I want you to oh see this. God, movie you don't have to that do that. I, I will find it bootleg or something. I, I hate saying okay, that as a film TV major. Cut but, that part but, out because it, I hate saying that as a film and TV major. Uh, but I'll oh, find who it. Who cares? They studios make enough money. Who gives a rat's True. ass? Pirate everything. My favorite thing about Mike White though is when he gets uh the massage from the elephant. I like that task a lot in Vietnam, uh, not Vietnam, Thailand. Um, when they have the elephants do yeah. the little massage and they like sit on the people. Um, I yeah. Okay. Um, Abby Maria is a queen. Buy her acai vodka if it still exists. Remember when we were talking about Abby Maria? That was the purpose of this podcast. Yeah, who cares? Okay, so this is the end of Mike White was Rod. Felipe, what should people do to reach out to you? So you can follow me on social media at WhatTheFleep on Twitter and TikTok. Um, on TikTok, I am doing, speaking of Marvel movies, I'm doing uh, what I'm calling loudmouth movie summaries. I take the big mouth filter from Snapchat and I give 60-second summaries of each Marvel movie for a few of my casual friends who were like, I want to check out this WandaVision. So I'm doing that, and then my first one got like 600 views, and I was like, "Why are people wasting this time, their time with this?" But that's what happened. Um, so they can follow me there. I also do the What You Doing podcast. I'm one of three co-hosts. We're gonna record an episode in 15 minutes. Uh, Naomi will be on in a few weeks to talk about the time travel episode, right? Yeah. She's so hype. Um, and I'm so hyped to have her. Uh, so you can l- listen to us. Uh, what you doing? Uh, and follow us on Twitter at What You Doing Pod. Um, and then the Brazilian Dragon. I am recording an episode later tonight as well. Uh, Scooby Doo and the Alien Invaders with the great Lindsay Bebo uh, from. Uh, did you watch Survivor Washington? Yeah, fifth place queen like Evie Maria. Um, so yeah, she's gonna be joining me and Kate uh, to talk about the Alien Invaders movie. Naomi, you have an open invite to come on any Brazilian Dragon podcast. We do a lot of Gen Z content, uh, like throwback shows, uh, decoms, and uh, Naomi and I have been talking for a few minutes, like like a month ago. I texted you, I was like, "Do you want to come and talk about cowbells?" And I think that was like right after Ali and AJ released their uh, remixed version of. I would still talk about cowbells. I don't know if you've done the episode yet. I've been, I have never I, done I, cowbells, I, but I want to. Have you done um Have you done Pixel Perfect or Stuck in the Suburbs? I have not either yet. Um, I I would love to have you on any and all of those. Um, I think I want to do Stuck in the Suburbs just because that's a movie where, first of all, Taryn Killam is very funny. To that, that's like a very funny thing to me is that that's literally yeah. Taryn Killam of SNL and Broadway. <laughs> um, uh, Robin Shabatsky's husband. Yes, 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 <laughs> of course. And um, I love that movie. I love Pixel Perfect too. I mean, I have. Ricky Ullman is literally someone who I've seen on the streets of New York several times. And every time I just go like, oh my God, that's Ricky Ullman. Like it's, you know, it's it's like a common, I think, New York experience at this point. But like my heart still kind of goes like, like (laughs) the nice Jewish boy from Disney Channel. (laughs) So the future, uh, we we stand. Um, Yeah, so you have an open invite and any Scooby-Doo movie. uh, We have, I'm talking to some friends about another project that we might want to kickstart. on that uh well i'm super excited to be on the what you do in podcast because i love phineas and ferb and uh i've only started to love it more after watching um dr doofenshmirtz be on tiktok a bunch i feel like i'm even more enamored with love the the idea dr doofenshmirtz so much and it hurt my feelings when rob said he didn't like the parody of the platypus storyline 
on Renat this week. I haven't listened to that yet, but that hurts my heart just hearing that. Perry yeah. the Platypus. I used to have Perry the... I, I'll save this... Con- no, I have to save this content for the show. Save it. So we'll um, talk about it then. But if you need more Phineas and Ferb content, you can go look up the, the Phineas and Ferb uh, live on stage characters because those are nightmare fuel. Awesome. Well, you can follow... All you need to do for me is check out Survivor New York. That's the only thing I care about. Survivor New York Season 3 in full is out online. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know... A fuck ton of episodes of good Survivor content. And I'm not just saying that because I made it, but because the players, the cast, everybody is really good. And then we have literally a post-episode recap with every single contestant. They all came out. So the content is there, and I don't know why you're not watching it. So that's all really, I have Really, what are you today. doing with your life if you're not yeah, watching it? Yeah, what are you doing? Like, don't you love me? Watch this. Sh- watch Survivor New York. Um, yeah. And then uh, there are lots of links in the... Uh, in the description that Can I give I'm going one to tease for something that I forgot to plug yeah. that I have coming up? Um, also, if you yeah. want to hear more Survivor hot takes from me, I was on Rob as a podcast a few weeks ago on the main feed talking about Survivor One World. Um, but uh, the great, I don't know if you've heard of her, but Naomi Calhoun is organizing a little shindig on Twitch <laughs> with a few of pe- a few people, and I'm included, and I'm excited to join that crowd. Um, that's I'm, for you to plug. I'm very excited for that. I, um, I have to say, first of all, that I loved your One World coverage because that was released, and so I got to listen to it. Um, and also, yes, so we're going to do what I – I don't really know if this is the best name for it yet, but to me it's like the great Gen Z millennial TV debate. We're going to – myself, um, Matt Gogan, uh, Nicole, TikTok Nicole, and Felipe, we're going to dissect the line of when TV – uh, went from being like sort of a millennial memory bank to a Gen Z memory bank. And, and you know, what do you consider something like Camp Rock versus High School Musical? So we're going to get really into it. I've already started making the, um, what's it called? I've made the, the spreadsheet and uh, it's going to be exciting. That's going to be on my Twitch stream, which, uh, you know, my boyfriend did tell me he'd break up with me if I started becoming a streamer, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Twitch tv slash n-a-y underscore o-h underscore m-i n-a-o-me i'm gonna stop recording now goodbye everyone thanks for listening bye friends